0: There is a power that lies dormant within each of us. A creative force waiting to be awakened. Potentials of mind, science barely understands. Harnessing the energies of consciousness is the next chapter in human evolution. Join us as we explore the secrets of mind and the technology and people behind the revolution. This is the Mind Warrior Project. This is Zygon.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Mind Warrior podcast. I'm Rob Hopping. In this episode of our weekly podcast, Dane and I are going to talk about remote viewing, what it is, how it works, and how the technology connects to the universe of consciousness. Dane, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. You've been involved with remote viewing, or I should say technical remote viewing, for a very long time. Talk about what you've been doing with the technology over these last 20 years.
2: Sure. Technical remote viewing, or TRV as we call it, is a skill that we train at a company I own called SciTech. It's a formerly top secret classified intelligence collection technology ushered out of military intelligence in the late 80s and a company was formed called SciTech. So basically what it is, it's an intelligence collection tool that allows a skilled viewer to tap into the matrix or that collective unconscious that we've been talking about and download information that's remote in time or space. So imagine this. Using a pen, paper, and a trained mind, a viewer is able to access information about any person, place, Thing or event anywhere in time or space and download information.
1: Wow. So the question is, how was that possible?
2: Well, the breakthrough occurred during the Cold War era, and it was discovered that the Soviet Union was recruiting millions of people to determine whether or not they were psychic or had psychic abilities. And they were going to use them in their military intelligence program during the cold war to identify us missile silos, uh, to use it for other military applications. So when we caught wind of this, we said, Hey, we got to do something about this. Right. So rather than looking at it from let's hire the best psychics in the world and see if we can tap into this sixth sensibility, is that we hired one of the leading top physicists of the time, and this occurred, by the way, at Stanford Research Institute, and then they studied uh, a psychic process and how it actually works. They studied Ingo Swan, who was the psychic that they studied, and what they determined was that there was a very specific process that he went through to be able to accurately describe objects or describe an event or a place or a location. So what they did was they refined it into a set of protocols. And that's what we call it now, or the TRV protocols, or remote viewing protocols. And the breakthrough was that anybody, you don't have to be psychic, anybody, all human beings had this innate uh, ability, this instinct, intuition function that's never been trained before. And so by installing this set of protocols into the mind, any human being is able to do this process. It's a skill. We call it an attention management skill. So it takes a while for that reflex to be going. And in fact, we call it the psi muscle, PSI. It's the psi muscle. And it takes about six weeks for that reflex to be developed, but we could install the protocols over a weekend. So what they discovered was rather than hiring psychics, we could actually train people, and that's what they did in the military. They had five military officers who were trained in in this set of protocols. This was actually a highly coveted, top secret military operation back in the day.
1: So what's amazing about this is the way it was approached. In other words, assumed that we could design a technology to be able to collect intelligence using the set of protocols to train
2: someone to be able to do that. That was the breakthrough. So the breakthrough was taking ordinary people and be able to install this set of protocols. And just to, so you get an idea of what that is. Um, this is not some weird meditation practice or You know, you're lay back, and somehow the information comes to you, or you're doing some kind of astral projection. Has nothing to do with that. Mm. In fact, it looks like you're solving a math problem. It's a it's a human mind, and using the kinesthetic contact of a pen on paper, and that's the training. You're able to do these weird scribbly kinds of things we call ideograms. You decode an ideogram, and you're able to grab the information, objectify it using words and sketches. And at the end of a session, which usually takes about 45 minutes, the output is going to be all these words and sketches. And by the way, the remote viewer is moving very fast. So they're they're moving faster than their imagination. And that's one of the tricks to this whole game is to be able to separate out real data from imagination. And in fact, that's why. Uh, If you just hire a psychic to to get the same information, they might get it. They might, you know, the best psychics in the world might be able to get some of the information. But when are they on and when are they off? That's the difference between this very refined skill and someone that's just a natural psychic. And in fact, in a weekend, our worst students are better than the best natural psychics in the world.
1: Wow. And so what this skill enables someone to do is what it sounds like is to bypass the conscious mind and, you know, sticking to these protocols actually lock into a target that they're looking for.
2: Actually, they're bilocated. In our previous episode, we talked about the collective unconscious and the universal mind and the fact that there was this, that the universe was this giant information field we call the matrix. So part of the protocols take the mind to a place of what we call bilocation. So half of your conscious attention is in the room with a pen, with the paper, and you're objectifying the data that's actually flowing through your mind and through your body with the kinesthetic contact on the paper. The other half of your con- of your attention is in this unconscious place or this universal mind or matrix, as we call it, where you're there grabbing the information right here's the key the the theory behind this is the fact that if the universe is this giant information field and all information all everything that's ever happened in the past present or future exists somehow in this gigantic records room and it's accessible the question is how do you access it right you have this very precise set of protocols, and the mind is trained where the psi apparatus, as we call it, actually the psi apparatus after you're trained gets much bigger. It's, It's like training a muscle. So as you exercise that muscle, it gets much stronger and is able to pull down information much more reliably. But the key is being able to separate out that information from imagination. Because the imagination will kick in in about two seconds. Mm -hmm. It starts making all kinds of stories out of the information and data. That's worthless to a remote viewer. It's worthless to the client. Mm -hmm. We're trying to obtain highly accurate information that can be used.
1: So that's the critical issue right here, to accurately identify the
2: information that you're looking for. Well, it's a target. And there's this very precise way that the target is written. So it operates very much like a search engine. So you know a search engine. If you want to find something, unless you're very precise and specific about the way you term your search terms, you just get the you get this whole garbage of stuff, right? Right. It's exactly the same thing. So we we teach our students how to queue up a target, Mm -hmm. and what they use are just what we what we call target reference numbers. So there's eight digits. It's kind of like a library reference number in the in the matrix, so to speak. So these eight digits are created. They're put on the target along with a target queue. And then when we give a target out to a a remote viewer, they're actually in the blind. They actually don't know what the target is. Mm -hmm. They're able to access accurate information about that target, useful information, and they, in fact, don't even know what the target is. All they get are those eight TRNs or target reference numbers.
1: And that's a way also to ensure
2: with that blind target, there's really no influence. Well, contami- yeah, right, contamination from their imagination, right, or there there can be other influences. But that's exactly right. So we train all remote viewers to operate completely and totally in the blind. Mm. In fact, double blind. We actually teach them how to do this with those TRNs, and all they get are eight numbers. Mm and they're able to grab amazing amounts of information that's highly accurate just using those eight numbers, it's actually mind-blowing. Right. So when somebody first starts this, most people don't believe it. They're suspicious of it because it sounds too outlandish to be to be real. And then when they do it and experience it themselves, they go, wow. So if my mind is capable of, of grabbing information uh, that's remote in time and space, or in in, in the training target example, they, get, they have a picture usually that's inside a sealed envelope. And all they get are those eight TRNs or target reference numbers. Mm-hmm. And they're able to describe highly accurately the picture that's inside that envelope. Now that's just a training target. So right. uh, in reality, A lot of people think that's as far as we take it. And that's not the case at all. It's just, it's just to train you. And that's how, that's how you get trained. So it's, even though it's fun, we put a, he put a picture of a Ferris wheel inside of a, an envelope. You add the eight digits, they do their, the protocols, they do the session and they describe basically what's in the envelope. It's a Ferris wheel or a picture of a Ferris wheel, right? Or they might even decide, describe it as saying, oh, it's a place on Coney Island with this round object that's going in the air. Okay, well, that's that's a win too. That's a hit on the target. Right. So, from an operational target standpoint, if it's if if let's say it's a military project, we're looking for the location of missile silos in uh, in the Soviet Union. If mm-hmm. it's a, if it's a law enforcement target, we're looking for evidence uh, regarding a murder investigation, or we're looking for. Uh, the location of a missing person, right? Or if it's or or if it's a, a corporate project, we're looking for what's the next big idea, the next big marketing thing that will make your company a whole lot of money.
1: When they started this project, well, the idea of the Matrix, this vast reservoir of everything, was accepted and believed by those who were putting this together. They were developing the protocols.
2: I don't think it was. I don't think they knew what they were getting into. Really, you know, psychics for years. Um, tap into something. What is the something? We know that there's some accuracy on the part of of people that are using, you know, their psychic abilities or what have mm-hmm. you. And a lot of them think it's a gift or whatever. It's not a gift. Every single human being can do this. That's really what SciTech's legacy is about. Right. Technical remote viewing is a language for this instinct, intuitive function. We're overlaying a language to be able to communicate with the matrix Mm -hmm. and access this information field. So even though it sounds astounding, but in fact, it makes sense if you're talking about a real function, that's part of, of the human, you know, condition, it's just has never been given language. And so that's what we, that's basically what they, what they learned how to do. Now, that was 35 years ago. You know, I've actually owned the company for more than 20 years. Uh, and this is literally the same company that was ushered out of military intelligence, the same protocols, this, you know, the same basic. And in fact, all the military guys worked for SciTech at one time. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the actual, the general, the four-star general that that uh, was the chairman of the board, Stubblebine was part of that project as well. So fast forward to today, we've actually advanced those protocols substantially. Refined them. We've refined them. That's right. And And the more people that do this, the more people that are trained to do this, we trained over twenty thousand people wow. using videotape and, and our online uh, TRV university. And so the more people that do this, it's like we talked about the other day about the hundredth monkey. The more people that do this, the groove into the matrix, so to speak, exists and the more capability and the the easier it gets. So the first people that did this. It was cruder. It was more difficult. The protocols were not as refined. Today, thirty-five years later, we can teach somebody to do this in a weekend.
1: It's, it's interesting the way you put that because now you
2: have a path that you can now follow. Exactly, and it's a language. So their language skills of being able to communicate with the matrix have been further and further refined. So that's one. That that's the best part to get your mind around is the fact that this isn't a gift. This isn't some magical power, even though it feels like it. I mean, it feels like you have a superpower when you can do this. And people are going like, are you, are you? if you tell people about it, they're going really like, are you kidding me?
1: Well, you did say that being a mind warrior is lonely. It
2: is lonely. <laughs> Fortunately, it's lonely, but hey, I couldn't imagine not being in this camp. Right, right. So when you meet a fellow mind warrior, it's like, aha, there's a light in the room, you know? Right, exactly.
1: So it was a top secret program in the military for years i'm assuming
2: yeah actually it wasn't it wasn't that long it was it was troubled from the beginning because the congressional oversight committee that that funded it didn't like it and like all things human egos got involved in it and that sort of thing and so eventually even though it was highly top secret the program was shut down but it still maintained its top secret status for a number of years
1: so it was shut down still top secret but eventually the word was out. So
2: what happened? Well, what happened was PsyTech was going to write a book. So you had a four-star general and you had another officer that ushered this out of the military and created a private company. Never been done before. And I think it was because it was a four-star general and because of the reputation of it, it was it was allowed. Mm. And so in 1995, Tech was writing a book. It was called Psychic Spies. And this book Uh, was about to come out. The the manuscript got leaked. Mm -hmm. And that's when Nightline, ABC's Nightline show, did a major piece on it. And they invited the CIA and other officials who were part of that intelligence operation. And they explained what the program was. It was quite interesting. You can go look it up online. But what they did was they created some misinformation about it. Basically, they lied to quell the interest in it and basically tried to make it appear to the public that it didn't work because they wanted to stop. it. of course that didn't work. It was on all the, the night radio shows and uh, people were talking about it. There's, you know, if you go online right now, there's tons of stuff on it. I can tell you right now, I would say 80 to 90% of it is misinformation. Hmm. It's people that, that have picked up on it and said, hey, I'm a remote viewer and create a little training school or think they know what they're doing. So, right. you know, for years, SciTech has had to fight that. Has had to try to fight, well, what's the real truth? What's the real story here? But,
1: but actually, it probably works in your favor because once you start working with clients and you can actually prove the accuracy, the validity of the technology.
2: Well, yes and no. I think the I think the big deal for us was that we didn't care. Got it. We really didn't care. Other than the the pollution effect of having all these schools. These were all people we trained, right? Mm-hmm. And then they thought, oh, well, I can I can do this better. Or I can come up with this or I'll create my own school. So just so the audience here understands, every single one of them out there, all of them, all of it started from SciTech.
1: Right. Because those who actually developed and worked on the program in the military started SciTech.
2: Correct. And they all worked for SciTech. And SciTech was the was really the beginning of that as an industry, even though our first client was the Pentagon. Really? Remember in 89 during this time was the beginning of the Gulf War. Mm -hmm. And so the Pentagon actually hired SciTech to do the work, to do intelligence gathering work. And the, the, the focus was on Saddam Hussein's biological weapons program. Interesting. And the United Nations actually gave Psytech an award Mm -hmm. for its uh, intelligence collection and contribution. At the time, it was a little bit of a news thing because these were so-called psychics in the military and there were psychic spies and they were gathering information or intelligence on the Gulf War.
1: That's the way it seems to be. The general characterization is that it's some sort of a psychic
2: talent that people have. Yeah, we don't consider ourselves psychics. No. Even though we're tapping into that phenomenon, that's why we use the term psi is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. It relates to that phenomena, or we call that psi ability, that every single human has this capability. I keep repeating that, but that's the key point that people need to understand is that you can do this. Mm -hmm. This is your destiny. So imagine people having the training to be able to find out their personal future trajectory Mm -hmm. or find out any information they want to find out. How did you get involved in all this? Well, actually, I bought the company. So remember now, my interest is mind technology. Right. So the company was in trouble. Um, I had some affiliations with some people involved in the company. And I bought it 21 years ago. And so uh, since then, we've trained 28,000 people, a number of government personnel, MI6 operatives, FBI people, a whole bunch of that. So, so how, do you, how do you train somebody to do this? Well, it's a good question. It's training that's unlike anything else. You don't meditate. You don't do any kind of weird spiritual practice. It has absolutely nothing to do with any of that. So what we do is we actually take them and without any lecture, without any conversation, we create a target. And through a guided procedure that we we initiate with them, within a matter of 15 minutes, they're able to describe the target accurately. Wow. So in a very short time we train them how to do what's called an ideogram, which is to produce that initial body jerk reaction to the to the target reference numbers. And again, that's something I can't really describe real well in this format. We basically throw them in the deep end right away. And the reason why we do that is because once they show themselves that they can do that, it's like this huge aha moment. Right. What are you kidding me? There's no feeling of going like I knew what the target was. Mm. In fact, it's the opposite. So literally an image or a photograph that's inside an envelope. It's a sealed envelope. They get the eight reference numbers. That's all they get. Right. And through a guided process of about 10 or 15 minutes, every single person will get elements or nail it perfectly what that is. We call, it's first-time effect. Hmm. So that first-time effect is because their mind is fresh and new. It's able to bi-locate almost instantly goes right to the matrix target site, grabs the information and describes it. Wow. So that's the beginning of the training. And then from there, we go through uh, a process of lecture, a process of, of of doing successively more difficult targets, and we teach and in, we basically install the protocols. Mm. So over a weekend, those protocols are installed. Right. However, it takes about six weeks before the reflex, and we call it a reflex, before that psi reflex is established. So it's a reflex much like swimming. Mm-hmm. Every single human being knows how to swim, right? right. Reflexively, their body knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. However. To become an Olympic gold medal swimmer takes years, years and years. And what do they do? They practice. That's the difference between a professional remote viewer and someone that just dabbles or just wants to know whether or not they can do it or not.
1: Right. So I'm assuming that once the psi muscle becomes well-trained, one doesn't think about it anymore. You just do it. You just don't even have to think about the protocols. You just do it.
2: You're right. There's no thinking involved. It's just, Mm. it's, it's more of a doing thing and it's the process of doing. And oftentimes in the, in the process of doing it, you're not even realizing what Mm. you're doing.
1: So give me some examples of the kinds of things that they can discover.
2: Well, as a company, a lot of the work was in law enforcement, missing persons, murder investigations. You know, we were involved in the OJ Simpson case, Mm -hmm. the John Bonet Ramsey murder case in the 90s. Uh, we even worked on the Unabomber case. Right. So a slew of investigations and enigmas and anomalous events. Now, an individual would use it for uh, their own personal optimum trajectory. Right. So they would probably want to find out where's the optimum place I should live? What's my optimum relationship? What's my optimum career? Where am I going to be a year from now? What's my mission in life? Right. So usually on a personal level, People use it for things that are career-related, relationship-related, you know, things that deal with their personal life or solving a problem. So I'm assuming that people would learn how to create targets. Correct. We teach them how to make what we call it a blind target pool. And so daily, let's say, they pull a target out of their blind target pool, mm-hmm. uh, which could have something to do with them personally. It could just be a calibration or a training target, like a picture of the, the Sphinx, let's say. Right. And they do the protocols and they get their data set and they perform their summary and analysis and go, wow, okay, I got this or that or the other thing.
1: I would also think there's a specific way that you would create your targets. So for example, if someone wants to create their own personal target pool and they want to put in there something about a relationship or a job or a money, But there would have to be a very specific way in which they would create the targets related to those topics, correct?
2: Yes. As an example, let's just say you want to make money. And you want to make a certain amount of money within a certain time frame. Okay. So you would cue the target with your name, slash. Optimum is a key search term because optimum means optimum. So you would say optimum money-making activity, slash, next year.
1: So, the way in which you write these search terms, uh, I'm assuming that took years to
2: really refine it. Well, it was, the way that that's done is critical. And the way it was developed and refined over the years was to make it as specific as possible, using as few words. Mm-hmm. And so, this new language that's been being imposed upon the mind does have to be done in a certain way. Right. In, the, in target queuing and that whole target operational aspect, that's a huge part of the training. So this might seem like a bit of an odd question, but are there any side effects from training? Yes, there are some. I think, I think the, the biggest side effect is the fact that you've now opened up that psi apparatus. Mm-hmm. So now what it used to be relatively closed, you've added this language, you've practiced it, so you're, you, you are receiving information all the time. So other psychic phenomena will creep in. So things like precognition. Hmm. Things like more lucid dreaming and being able to solve problems in your dreams. Uh, you, the the increased number of synchronicities in your life. So this does open you up right. uh, in, in a way that's uh, fairly, fairly intense as So for some people it's a little too much actually, because uh, they've not been used to that and they've not, they've not, you know, they've never activated this part of their system that this sixth sense. So it, it 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 takes a little getting used to.
1: Right. And this ties directly into our our last podcast, which was the universe's consciousness, where those who are aligned with the universe uh, basically open up that sixth sense as well.
2: Yeah. Well, people that are remote viewers, um, even though they use the very rigid protocols Does this make you more psychic? Absolutely it does. Mm. So even though we don't like to use the term psychic, you will, there's phenomena that will happen in your life. You will see things, you will experience things. Uh, you will be open to things that were not necessarily there before, or you didn't, you, you weren't perceptive of that's a benefit. It is a benefit for some people. They don't necessarily like that, like the way that it feels. I personally think that that's the, uh, that is the destiny of human beings. Right will eventually have children born with this capability without having to Im- install a protocol. They'll be born with the language, correct? They'll be born with the language. That's exactly awesome. right. And so the more, the part that was part of the legacy of SciTech was the more people that we trained, the more people that would have this skill installed and the ability to buy, locate, uh, you know, the more humanity evolves. So this is part, this is actually our birthright. This is, people don't realize this. This is, you know, once you can do this, you're you're changed forever. There's not a single person that I've trained, and it's it's in the thousands that their life hasn't changed permanently forever. So if we have
1: if we have um, a population of humans that are also remote viewers,
2: then really there are no more secrets. There you go. What a wonderful world that would be. Right. You know, especially during these times where we live in a in an age of deception, where deception and and lies and and deceit is just, is part of the mainstream. And and that's part of what the, the nervousness of our, of our society is, mm. is the fact that you don't, you don't know what's up, right? You can't, tr- you can't trust anything. You can't trust the news. You can't trust what you read, but you will trust what you have direct experience with. Right. And being able to connect to the universe
1: and be able to seek answers. And what comes back to you is the truth. Right. Uh, let's talk about some of the applications.
2: Well, one of the big applications for a number of years when I first took over the company was we studied enigmas. Mm-hmm. You know, when you first start doing this, especially with you when you own the company and you've got this, it's like you're a kid in a candy store. You've got this capability now to find out anything about everything, right? Okay. And when I say enigmas, I'm talking about, you know, investigations to anomalous events, UFOs, uh, you know, little green men, even though they're not green and they're not little. Okay. But yeah, so that was one of the one of the areas of investigation, and we've got copious amounts of, uh, of research data. And a lot of people, when they come in, that's the first thing they say, they go, okay, let's get into the UFOs, All right. You know they want to they want to start doing UFO targets. And what's interesting about a UFO target or something that's an anomalous event, that's actually very easy to do. It's actually one of the easiest targets, you know why? Because there's nothing else like it, right? Because it's so unique. In other words, the mind loves novelty. We've got people that have book projects or somebody wants to book us on a TV show or whatever. They go, hey, can you prove that this works? And I go, well, what do you mean? Go, I tell you what, I'll put something on my desk, an object on my desk, and you tell me what it is? So they always try to trick you with that. What they don't realize, because they don't know anything about this, is so let's say they put a can of Coke on their desk. That's the most difficult target you can ever do. And the reason why is because it's not unique. There's billions of them. There's billions of cans of Coke, and right. so they. Whereas a UFO that landed in someone's backyard, that's extremely unique, and so our, you could be I you could be at, at our training class, and have only had one day of training, and I'll guarantee you, you'll get that target. So describe, if you would,
1: one of your investigations that really surprised you.
2: Well, there's so many. Uh, I think the crop circle cases investigation. Who made them and why was you know certainly up there as one of the most interesting ones. Turns out they're time stamps. Really? A marker in a perishable field that can be picked up by time travelers. Okay. Well, we spent a year on that, and we wrote a book on it as part of our Omega series. The 9-11 stuff, the mystery around it was pretty intense. And who was really behind the takedown of the World Trade Center and the Pentagon? Mm-hmm. Of course, we worked a number of terrorism cases around then involving threat assessments uh, involving radiological weapons and future attacks and that sort of thing. Um, Some high-profile legal cases where we optimize strategy for a client. Um, And a lot of projects dealing with investments for famous and interesting people that want to optimize their portfolios, especially during the latest crypto uh, craze. And uh, I would say probably the most interesting project right now or in this recently was the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and whether the virus was actually engineered in a lab or not or whether it was a natural occurring event, turns out it was engineered. interesting. Um, and then the follow-up to that is the vaccine and the outcome of folks taking the vaccine, which is an experimental gene therapy and could have a great deal of promise for you know future cancer cures and other things, but it could also be a disaster. So we did uh, a full workup on that and probably we could do a whole podcast just talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then a project that just landed on my desk this week is a follow-up to something we began working on 15 years ago, which involves a form of time travel. We call it project look back. And our client wants to know if he's able to send a message to himself back in time. Wow. Specifically, he wants to see if it's possible to tell himself in the past whether or not to make a certain investment or trade. Uh, We know from our past work that such a thing is possible, but we never worked out the specific mechanics of how to do it. So this is probably a very difficult one, and we'll see how it goes. So using the
1: technology to know how to send a message back in time, wow. Right. So as humans, we're limited to the words we can use to describe something. I mean, we're limited in how we can actually describe the data, correct?
2: We are, that is one of the limitations. So the, what, a couple of the limitations, this is not perfect. This is embryonic. So you're right. We're limited by language. And so the greater uh, remote viewers thesaurus is, the more capable they are of being able to create a descriptive uh, summary and analysis of what the, what the target was and what the meaning of the target
1: is. So bottom line though, would you say that it, it is a benefit to have a,
2: a broader vocabulary? It is. So generally speaking, even though anybody is trainable, those that are above average intelligence that have a thesaurus that's well intact are going to do better. So let's say, for example, we're trying to find a technology gap for a company Mm -hmm. and and they're just on the brink of being able to invent something that's revolutionary and new. Um, Even though we can use our standard remote viewers for that, if we have someone that has some scientific knowledge, they're going to do much better. Got it.
1: What about life experience? People, let's say maybe a little bit older that have had a very rich set of life experiences, do they have an advantage over, say, a younger person that hasn't?
2: That's actually an interesting question. Younger people have some advantage, and I'll tell you why. It's because their minds haven't got all that paradigm. Right. And so young people are actually very good remote viewers. It doesn't really matter age. A person can be very old and still being able to do this. Um so that isn't really an impediment necessarily. Mm-hmm. I, think the, I think the only really impediment would be in training blind people. Right. Because this is a visual, there's a visual aspect to this. I have trained a couple of blind people and we figured out a way to do that. But for the most part, that's the only limitation.
1: Without that sense, um, obviously they can still learn the protocols, but
2: then actually putting them into practice seems to be, the, would be the challenge. Well realize we're using words and sketches to objectify the data. So we're pulling this data is coming down at light speed. And we're actually slowing it down. So the protocols in the mind are slowing the data down and kind of parsing it into these chunks of words and sketches. So you need to be able to do that. So you need to be able to and that's and it's the kinesthetic contact of the pen on the paper which triggers that action. That's, that's what we train you to do. It's, it in and of itself is not complex. The problem that people have is that you have to train over and over and over again. And it's a, it's a tremendous amount of work. So you have to be committed to want to do this.
1: Got it. Because really the first step is to receive the data and put it on paper. At that point, do you actually come to conclusions or
2: are you still just describing? Well, here's what we do. So let me give you an example of a, of a project. So when SciTech first came out of the military, one of the first corporate projects we did was working for one of the top three automobile companies. They wanted to know what the next big thing was, the next big technological breakthrough was. And so we did the work and it happened to be that the next big thing was GPS. Mm -hmm. And and GPS back then wasn't available to consumers. It was a military uh, project. It was a military satellite and what have you. And so we got that, and they thought, oh, wow, that's quite interesting. So you have a number of remote viewers doing that in the blind. They're pulling down the information, and at the end of the process is an analyst who then takes the information and puts it all together, and and it's like putting a puzzle together. They put those pieces, and they go, ah, here is the analysis, and here's the conclusion. Mm -hmm. So the, the analysis might have read not more than a paragraph, but the paragraph was, at some point in the future, cars will have this global positioning system software and hardware built into it so they can find their way around wherever they go. There's so much to this <laughs> that is that just is mind-boggling. Yeah, what people mostly want to know, so just so a lot of the people listening to this are going, well, yeah, but how do I use that in my life? Well, most people want to know what their trajectory is, right? They want to know what their future looks like, what is optimum for them. And so uh, the future is this very interesting thing, and the future. So people say, "Well, but is there destiny, Dane? Is this, is the future fixed?" And the answer is no. It's not. The future is mutable. However, some things are fixed. Some things. It's interesting. It's very interesting how the how it works. But it looks like there's some people that do have a destiny and that they and that almost no matter what they try to do they keep falling in that groove of whatever that particular destiny is not many but some people appear to have a destiny mm. so when so the probably the most useful thing for individuals is to be able to use this tool to be able to find their personal optimum trajectory and that's what we call it and it's an ot or an optimum trajectory meaning what is the optimum path that they should take on any one particular thing. Optimum means optimum. And so generally what that means is this is the most fulfilling thing that they can do. Got it.
1: So how would you access someone's optimum trajectory in the matrix?
2: Well, in the matrix, you have a book. Really? You, Rob, you have a book in the matrix. There's a book on Rob. Wow. So when a remote viewer uses your name and, and cues the target correctly, we're going to the book on Rob that's in the matrix we're pulling down that book and we're going and looking at different chapters of that book in time and we're so we can grab any historical event of your life Mm. we can also go forward in time because like what we described in the last podcast there is no time right there was time as a is our own third dimensional reality construct every single human being is an event in in that universe with a book And time is irrelevant. So we can grab a future chapter of Rob in that book and pull it down. All the possibilities, all the future trajectories, all of that's accessible. So
1: what you're saying is I can find information about anything at any time. So today I want to know what's going to happen tomorrow.
2: Yes. No, let's, yeah, let's just say, let's even make it more specific. Let's say you have a presentation you're making tomorrow and you want to find out the optimum way of making that presentation so it's successful. You can do that target and not only determine what the outcome or the or receive data about what the best way to make your presentation is, but you're right. You can fast forward a year from now and look at the outcomes of that project. Got it. How long
1: does it take to do a session?
2: 45 minutes generally. Okay. So we limit the session sessions to 45 minutes. Doesn't mean you wouldn't do multiple sessions. If that project is important, or are you, you know, you're looking for other data, or you're looking to, uh, you know, embellish or find out more information, you might, you might, you might, on a lot of these, have to do multiple sessions. But, but it, we limit a session to 45 minutes. Got it. Okay. Are there any
1: physical requirements? I mean, I'm assuming that that your physical condition at any given time will affect how you perform.
2: Yeah, there's only there's some limitations. Like for example, you probably should not have. Taken any drugs or alcohol? You 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 should not be hungry. Hunger is one of those things where we call it what's called a personal inclemency, and we declare our personal inclemencies before we start the session, so we can get rid of them. The rest of it you can do. It doesn't matter what your other physical inclemencies are; you can still do this. Got it.
1: So let's talk about a unique application where you've used the technology
2: if you focus on the financial markets and you can prove that it works people will be very interested in that so i began an experiment and i created a company called stock jumpers and basically what we do at that company is we focused on catalyst trading events okay like earnings reporting companies and the reason we do that is because even though it's been we've used this for other financial investments and people's portfolios and What's interesting about a catalyst market event like an earnings report is that it happens at one, you you can identify exactly what the time is, and the stock will either go up or it will go down based upon the earnings report. Technically, it's impossible to know what the company's, unless you're an inside trader, it's impossible to know what the company's earnings report is going to be. In other words, did they beat on earnings? Did they miss on earnings? And so I thought that was a good way to be able to prove out the remote viewing capability because that was a, a catalyst event that we're able to focus on.
1: And a catalyst event um, is really almost like looking at an anomaly, right?
2: Well, it is in the sense that it's a there's some catalyst or reason to move the market, right? And in this case, it's the company, a large company, a public company is going to report their earnings. There's a lot of people focused on it because there's a lot of people that have either are going to buy that stock or they're going to sell that stock based upon what the company reports. So it, 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 you're right. It's a bigger event than than just remote viewing the general stock market, which is actually very difficult. Mm -hmm. One of the, one of the limitations of remote viewing is that we can't get numbers. Okay. The information is, is downloaded as concepts as abstraction words, information, sketches, we don't get specific numbers. So if you were to say, hey, I want you to remote view my house address, we can't. I can't do that. Why is that? Um, because numbers are insignificant in the matrix. Remember we talked earlier about the novelty of information, how the mind loves novelty and it grabs novelty. Mm-hmm. And that's why a catalyst event is, is novel. It's a, something that exists in time that we can identify when it's going to exist before we remote view it and we can grab it so it's, it's the ability to have a what we call a spike or a big enough of a signal line where the mind can grab it and so some some things you know have a signal line and have and have that uh, have that spike in the matrix that we can grab and other things don't
1: if it's a big move what you'll be able to know is if it's a big move up or a big move down correct
2: Right. We'll grab the move. What we're really looking for, and we've simplified the protocols to do this, is the binary decision. Is it, it going to go up or is it going to go down?
1: So a simple, a simple yes or no, black or white, buy or sell.
2: Correct. And so then a trader would be able to enter in that market and make a market decision of going buy or sell, let's say five minutes before market closes on the day they're going to report.
1: So what does that data look like? Let's say there's a big move up. What, what do you receive? What goes down to, on a piece of paper?
2: Well, what goes down on the piece of paper, and so we're talking about a 45-minute session, several remote viewers are doing this. So some of them are going to get all kinds of extraneous information and data. Most of them end up draw, drawing a chart. Um, they have a, a lot, like a, like a mid-place line where they start. And what they're looking for is, does that line go up or does the line go down below the, the baseline?
1: Wow. So if you could do this with, with the markets... Uh, I'm assuming you can also do this with, say, sports.
2: Yeah, sports betting. That's right. We can, and we and we've done the Super Bowl every year for the last you know 25 years successfully. That's an easy one because again we talked about the spike in the matrix. That's a big spike. There's a lot of people watching it. It's a big event. Uh, it has. There's a lot of richness to that to the signal line. So we always we always end up doing the uh, the Super Bowl. But yeah, sports betting in general. Um, Pretty much any sports activity um, can be the outcome can be known in advance. So I know you're, everyone's hearing hear this and going, "Wow, hey, I want to do that." Hey, why can't? Well, you can do it. You could be actually trained to do that. It's 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 a little it's it's a little bit different of a protocol. Again, each of these have different nuances to them. But to answer your question. Uh, about this particular kind of event and and the out be able to grab the outcomes it's actually it's easier than doing the stock market oh wow so so in stock market sometimes it goes up sometimes it goes down sometimes it sometimes sometimes it doesn't actually always behave the way you want it to because the stock market's not binary necessarily but all sports is other than soccer where, where there's a tie this is a binary decision one of those teams is going to win
1: so just as an individual, I just want to learn that skill and I have like these five or six different issues that I want to really keep tabs on. I want to know what's going on. There's a real benefit.
2: There is. Um, I think people come to us and train for different reasons, but I would say the vast majority of them, it's to really define what they should be doing with their life. That's the most fulfilling. And remember now, fulfillment doesn't necessarily mean the most money. right? So we do someone's optimum trajectory in the future. um, And we've gotten some very strange things like someone should be building tree houses for a living. Someone should go into the salt business. I mean, all these very, I mean, thousands of stories of people whose lives they either had an inkling or had a, you know, had a, had a pull to do that, or they may never have had a pull. And all of a sudden it opens up a whole new a whole new doorway of possibilities. But realize this, fulfillment doesn't necessarily mean money. So a target on what's the, what is the optimum money-making activity is a very different target than, let's say, optimum trajectory, my future.
1: So this brings up to me an interesting question about destiny and free will. Do we all have destinies? I mean, if the book is written on Rob, so I should be able to go into that book and see Rob 20 years from now.
2: And actually you can, and it's, it's a trajectory. That's what we, we call the, the future is a very funny business. And so and we spend a lot of time in the future. So we've had to actually kind of learn how it all works and the future is made up of trajectories. So here's an example of a destiny that's going to happen. A volcano is going to erupt, right? It's going to happen. In other words, a mountain at some point is going to erupt. It could be a thousand years, could be 10,000 years from now. That is a destined event that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. With a person, a person could have many trajectories. They could have a negative trajectory. They could have their current trajectory, and then they could have their optimum trajectory. What's interesting about optimum trajectories is that is that once you fall into it, it's like things just start happening and lining up. So it's like people go, "Okay, Dane, you can describe the, my optimum trajectory, but but you know, how do I know when I'm on it?" And the answer is you'll know right. because when you're on it, it's like the, a train going down the track. You're on the, you're on the track now it's going to the next station and the people that, that you need in your life will be there. So it's like the things, the events, the the people, the places, all of that. When you're on that trajectory, will just start lining up and things will, things not. let's put it this way. Things aren't necessarily easier because mm-hmm. fulfillment in life isn't about having life be easy it's not and so things that you still have challenges and what have you but it's the that optimum trajectory is the happiest you'll be the most fulfilled you'll be and that's i think that's where people really want really place their attention on again it's not the same thing as my optimum career or my optimum money-making opportunities it's it's, you'll, you'll get different data
1: where does free will fall into this
2: well, that's a good question because that was a that was a, a topic of mine that I was very interested in. I actually have been interested in my whole life. In other words, I always wanted to know, as you, as you know, I'm interested in the purpose of the universe and also whether or not I have free will. Right. Or whether or not I'm I I have to follow a certain pattern or path, right? Mm-hmm. So we looked at that. So I looked at that as what we call that a topical target. So it's not a target about a person or a place or a thing. It's a, it's a target about a topic. So it was very interesting. I actually spent months working it myself, and it's it, it gets into some heavy-duty spiritual stuff. But basically, we all humans have free will within a construct of destiny. If that makes any sense, in other words, we're allowed to have free will, or the belief that we have free will, and we're about we're allowed to act within the confines of that free will, but. We're granted permission.
1: that's what Einstein believed. He believed in destiny, but he also believed in free will. So that destiny can be altered. So your you know your path can be changed by your free will, But what he believed was one acts in their own self-interest. So your free will will contribute to your path to destiny.
2: Yes, basically, yeah, that's actually a good way to put it, and and it's the the word that was the most interesting to me, and it gives me goosebumps. Was permission? You're granted permission to have free. Will. I'm like, what? That that's not free will. If you're granted permission, right? But it is. In other words, within our functioning within this greater matrix, worth we think we have free will, mm. and to some extent we do, but it's but it's within a, a, a larger envelope of destiny. And some of us have really more preordained lives that we have to kind of follow a path. And when we get off the track, it's almost like the universe beats you up. Mm -hmm. You have to to kind of, people, people know what I'm talking about that have had that happen to them. It's almost like, well, wait a second. I went off on that tangent. It only didn't work out. I got kind of beat up. And as soon as I get back on the track that I'm supposed to be on, life seems to unfold in a proper way.
1: I think we've all experienced that we you know we know exactly what that means so during your sessions or during that work you got that word the actual word permission
2: permission we're granted permission wow yeah i thought that was like it blew my mind
1: but it does go to the belief in the fifth force in the universe
2: we're babies we're we've just barely crawled out of the trees and we're still trying to figure things out uh, we're an endearing species um i think i think human beings have tremendous potential that we just barely tapped into and this area this whole psi functioning thing is one of those areas that once we start going down this path and realizing what we're capable of this opens up the the i mean profound implications about not only the power of mind but our our human destiny and where we're going What what's this all about it's it's not about acquiring stuff it's not. It's not about getting a bigger or better house. It's not. And so, and, and so once, we, once we learn our role in the universe, I think everything will change.
1: Right. Let's talk about the TRV training program
2: that's in the works. Okay. Well, we actually have TRV University that's been going for the last uh, 20 years. And we shut it down this last year because we're going to be adding to it and updating it. Okay. So we're going to be offering through the uh, through the zygon app remote viewing training mm-hmm. and and in the, in, the, in the interim I'll be publishing an audio book here shortly called I see the future which is which is about the remote viewing uh, training and some of the some of the projects I've worked on and some it should be some, some interesting stuff but that's not going to be a training course so the training course will probably be offered this summer through the zygon app
1: and this is a big deal. I mean, this is huge. Um, and just as a uh, becoming a part of the Zygon app and then bringing our members into it and uh, giving them the opportunity to uh, train t- in TRV is amazing.
2: And I don't think people really realize now, even though the app's only been out there for a short period of time, but that's, we really have two companies. The sister company is called SciTech, P-S-I-T-E-C-H.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so and so. even though SciTech has its training arm – We shut that down and are are retooling it. And that's what will be offered through the Zygon app.
1: Dane, let's wrap this up. Thank you for spending time discussing this amazing technology. And for a lot of people, they've never heard of it before. So here is an opportunity to discover tactical remote viewing, what it is, how it works. And you gave us a great overview of it from the history to where we are right now. And I'm excited for the new training program.
2: Yeah, I think that if people realize that they can do this and they experience it firsthand, it opens up a whole new framework of what their relationship is to the universe. And I think that's really the big aha moment was that, wow, if my mind is able to access information that's accurate using this methodology, what, what are the implications? What does that mean in terms of how the universe really works? Exactly.
1: Well, Dane, thank you very much. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. So until next
0: time, enjoy your journey. There is a power that lies dormant within each of us. A creative force waiting to be awakened. Potentials of mind, science barely understands harnessing the energies of consciousness is the next chapter in human evolution join us as we explore the secrets of mind and the technology and people behind the revolution this is the mind warrior project this is zygon